All right. Well, good morning to everyone. Welcome to the Ag Market Network. I'm Pat McClatchy. Uh, this is the September 13th edition of our Cotton Market Roundtable. And we'll thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks to our major sponsor, Bayer Crop Science, for making this program possible. Also, we want to thank our cotton panel that joins us each month and provides us with all this information on the cotton market. Dr. John Robinson, a member of our panel, will be leading us today. John, uh, thanks for coming on and giving us your thoughts on uh, the crop report yesterday and your outlook for the market. Well, thank you, Pat. Um, so this report, um, I would characterize it as both a kind of a bearish surprise and genuinely uh, bearish numbers, both in the world and uh, with the U.S. numbers. So let me begin with the world. They, um, the report, the changes month over month in the world cotton numbers were dominated basically by a very large uh, production uh, increase, increase in projected world production of 3.44 million bales, which is huge, and that resulted from changes uh, in the U.S., which I'll talk about in a second. That was 1.2 million higher and then India had a million bale increase. Brazil had a half million. Mexico had a 230,000 increase. Both Australia and Turkey each had 200,000 increases month over month. And I think West Africa had 80,000 or something like that. Um, so uh, foreign ending stocks uh, went higher. And um, I'm sorry, carry-in. Carrion was uh, whittled down a little bit, that involved India and Australia and Brazil. Um, consumption just barely was increased, so those were working against this production increase, but not enough to really do anything to it. Uh, so the bottom line was that world-ending stocks were increased by 2.45 uh, million bales month over month. And so, again, that's, that's a bearish adjustment any way you slice it. Um, and so we would we would think that there'd be price pressure just from that. Now that probably played into the reaction in New York as well. Um, focusing squarely on the U.S. Uh, uh, report, the U.S. numbers uh, they were also dominated by a large and apparently uh, unexpected uh, increase in U.S. production of 1.2 million bales and. Um, this is following what happened, if you recall, a month ago. We had an unexpected 1.5 million bale increase, so these are some pretty large adjustments. Um, now, USDA noted that uh, production in hurricane-affected areas, and they named, you know, they're cognitive um, that Harvey and that Irma may have had some effects, but they had a special note in their, in their production report saying that... Uh, that basically data may be incomplete, that they actually couldn't get into those areas and collect the necessary data, and that they're going to focus on crops in the affected areas, particularly harvested acreage, and they're going to be putting that into the October report. So they basically kicked, kicked the can uh, down the road a bit and gave us this big number, which, you know, to be honest, I was expecting... Um, I was expecting some Harvey losses to be netted out of an increase in um, cotton production in unaffected areas, unaffected by the hurricane, you know, West Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas and in the Mid-South and places like that. Well, we got 
forgotten that latter part. We've got the production <laughs> increase, apparently without uh, netting off much or any anything for the hurricane losses. So uh, the bottom line was, is uh, you know they they uh, lowered carry-in, they raised uh, exports, U.S. exports substantially, um, more stocks to export, but the bottom line was still a 200,000 bale increase in uh, U.S. ending stocks to six million, which is heavy, and a stocks to use ratio of 33%. And so just on the face of it, that adjustment there, month over month, would be would be bearish. Uh, those those levels are bearish. And certainly the surprise aspect of it was was bearish and led to a to an apparent sell off. So, you know, you can look at the surprise part of it and say, well, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been such a surprise. As, as I mentioned, I was kind of expecting this this trade off in the production question. You know, they'll they'll bump up a, a big crop was getting bigger in certain parts of the country. They'll bump the number up and then they'll net some off. Due to Harvey, I actually I think I got that idea from something OA wrote or tweeted or said uh, right after Harvey came through, and it seemed like a reasonable thing to be expecting. The trouble was they didn't really net out anything uh, for the hurricane losses, and so hence we just have a big uh, a big increase. And and stepping back, um, it seems to me just looking at it that the several of the uh, major benchmarks that we have every summer for U.S. production have have been messed with a little bit uh, by a little extra layer of uncertainty. And I'm beginning with, if you think about it, the June 30 acreage report, which is the first benchmark that we have. When that first came out, um, people were saying immediately, well, you know, there were late planted wildcat acres in in Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas, and and this acreage report is too low. They were questioning it then. And you know, kind of injecting a little bit of uh, a little bit of a caveat to that. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. And in fact, we saw part of the increase in U.S. Uh, production was due to a sizable uh, increase in planted acres and harvested acres. They didn't really change the abandonment that much. It went from eight point something to eight point something, but it was still pretty low. But it was just an increase in acreage. Um, but that was that was kind of hanging over the the June report, and then the other two benchmarks are the August and September production uh, estimates. And, you know, when the August report came out, everybody immediately questioned it. Gerald questioned it. To be fair, a lot of people did, thinking, uh, you know, there's not enough time to realize all this potential. It's a late-planted crop. Whatever bowls and squares USDA counted, you know, may not, may not make it. So we heavily discounted the August report. And then we get then we get these storms, and then we get September, and so the September report is also sort of you have to discount it a bit because USDA themselves came out and said, well, we're gonna you know next month we're gonna come out with uh, hopefully some measurements of hurricane losses. So you got these lagged storm effects. So everything is being uh, is it's an above average uh, level of uncertainty associated with our normal benchmarks, and what that does is just simply inject more uncertainty and potentially more more price volatility um, so you know there's the volatility issue which you know that heck we predicted that too this was perhaps an example of what we said was in 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 guessing whether the market had the opportunity to get back to the low to mid 70s we said well yeah on and on some kind of a 
potential production scare, weather market kind of thing. Well, we've had it. This 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 is an example of that. Maybe the last one, I don't know, but uh, it's just an example of the volatility that comes when you have this much uncertainty being uh, injected into the situation. So what do I see with future WASDU reports and, and the production forecast? Well, you know, will we see some trimming to this uh, to this high level of production? Well, possibly. I mean, USDA sort of suggested they were going to do that. But there's even more uncertainty to, to think about when it comes to how to incorporate these hurricane losses. So let me, let me just talk about that for a second. There have been a lot of estimates floating around, pardon the pun, of um, what was lost in the Corpus area above Corpus and the upper coast. Um, a conservative estimate I had been using was 400,000 bales worth of cotton was on the stock in the affected area. The real question is what, what, how much damage has that cotton taken and how much damage has modules that were out in the fields, how much have they actually taken? And the answer to that is pretty, is pretty complicated because um, you have to kind of break, it depends on what you mean by lost or damaged, um, obviously cotton that can't be harvested or ginned is lost, and so that's just an, uh, something that a crop insurance adjuster is going to make the judgment on. This can't be harvested or ginned, and, and those are going to be the source of a, of a crop insurance claim. So there's that. Now, how much of that kind of, of all the cotton that was affected, how much of that is there? The answer is, you know, we don't know. And and it'll be a t it'll be a while before we find out because it's you know it's all part of the crop insurance adjustment process which is not not necessarily fast. So the next question is well how much how much cotton is is ginnable out there? Cotton that was on the stock you've seen a lot of dramatic photos of it. How much of those bales that are wet um, is uh, is uh, is genable again? The crop insurance adjuster is going to make that call whether it's genable or not. And if it is, then it has to be ginned. It has to be ginned before a crop insurance claim can be made on it. And so, how many bales of that sort are there? Again, we don't know, and it'll take a long time. It may be well past October before that question can be answered. And I guess the last thing I'll point out is. Um, some of these hurricane-affected bales, if they're ginned, they're going to enter the normal um, accounting of USDA as you know, running bales ginned and and uh, forecasted bales of production. They're not going to be netted off of the U.S. Um, production total because they're ginned bales. You know, in our minds, we may have to kind of discount the USDA production number thinking, well, some portion of that, some hundreds, some thousands of bales perhaps are low quality or they're not tenderable maybe, and that might have a market effect. But this, this thing is getting really, really complicated, just, just again, breaking out the kinds of damages that may ultimately um, be realized. So, and that, and that kind of, uh, I alluded to quality, and that affects my final point. I, my final point, I, I think most, most, of the effects of these hurricane damages, both in Texas and in the southeast, are going to be realized um, as quality effects, particularly if a lot of these bales wind up being jammed. They're going to be quality effects, um, which means they're probably going to be realized more in the cash markets uh, than, than in New York. So we may have an oversupply of poor color grades and, you know, whatever, trash content or, or bark or 
or what have you. And if that happens, then that you know that's going to be realized in the premiums and discounts that are being realized in an, in the basis that's that's being that are being offered. So it's a cash market thing, not so much a, a New York um, thing. So a whole lot of stuff that has to play out, and, and we'll have to see. In the meantime, I think you know this this whole the harvest season, the crop is late, and all this uncertainty is kind of stringing things out. It'll be longer than normal before the market has a really good sense of you know what we have out there, and I think that level of uncertainty will probably keep December futures. To, December 17, you know, within the range that it's that it's currently trading in the upper upper 60s, um, maybe maybe through the life of that contract, or you know, as we get into November, December, there might be an a, a, uh, I won't say an opportunity for December to get pressured down as low as maybe 62 or so. So when it comes to a range, I'd say 62 to 72, maybe. But I think there's a greater risk for for like the March and and the other spring contracts to come under more price pressure, as eventually I th- I think we are going to harvest a twenty something million bale crop. You know there may be a lot of quality issues, there may be widespread uh, quality issues with some of those bales, but those bales are going to are are going to come about, and and that makes me think that there is still the downside pressure, the, the possibility of uh, the March contract, let's say, slipping under 60 down to maybe even up, well upper to mid-50s. So that would be my guess, Pat, and I'll, I'll hand it back to you. Okay. Well, let's open it up to any other speakers that would like to make a comment about the market. Um, I want to first uh, thank uh, John for that. That was very good recap of a very, very complicated uh, and, and complex report this week. I, I do think a lot of people were surprised about the size of the crop uh, in this report, although there were some folks that were actually uh, uh, not terribly surprised about it. Our shop is reasonably close to this, not quite to this number, but it uh, we've been sort of saying along the way, and I know that uh, I've been receiving a little criticism about it, but uh, it, this crop seems to be in very good shape. The crop conditions report every week surprises, at least surprises me, is how good it is, has been. It should start to fall pretty quickly after these hurricanes. But uh, we do still have the potential for a, for a big crop here. However, there are two points. One is that John made both of them. I think they can't be overemphasized, and that is it is a late crop. Um, we're going to have to really pay attention to the late season on this. If we don't have an Indian summer, and our meteorologist, uh, one that we uh, use right now, has told us that it's too early to make a, a, a definitive assessment, but it looks like West Texas could be in for a normal to slightly earlier than normal frost and freeze, uh, which would certainly uh, curb the enthusiasm for a large crop there, and that's a lot of what has been uh, we've been factoring here in is a large crop in West Texas, so that that uncertainty remains in this market today. However, one thing John didn't mention was USDA increased uh, U.S. exports to 14.9 million bales in this report uh, for 2017, increase of about 700,000. That implies that uh, 
mills are going to demand U.S. cotton at a higher rate than they have now, which has actually been very good this year. Uh, but with the increase in Indian production, Turkish production, Brazilian, Australian, if those are all realized, there's going to be a lot of competition, which would imply lower prices to get this done. The mill saw the same number today that we all did, or yesterday rather, that we all did, and that is, wow, if there's that much cotton, I'm sure not going to pay this 66, 67 cent price when I think I'm going to be able to buy it at 60 or 62, possibly even better than that, to John's point later in the marketing year. So um, paint me a little bit bearish cotton prices uh, in the longer term. I haven't really changed much on that. Um, but I do think that the U.S. production is uh, critical. The production level, the late summer, uh, late season is is, is going to play a big, big factor in this. So I just wanted to point that out. That's something John already touched on it, but I just wanted to reiterate it just a bit. Okay. Anyone else join us? Let me chime uh, back. Chime uh, back in. Um, yeah, I agree with that. The uh, probably the, the biggest production risk is uh, that question of of when the freeze comes. Um, but even there, there's a point. Well, once we get past a certain point, um, I'm assuming that all those fields, all those bales out there, will get harvested, and it gets back to a quality question. If there's an yeah. if if the maturation season isn't as long as it needs to be, what does that mean? It means we're going to have a large supply of probably of low mic cotton if it just doesn't develop fully, but it's, it develops enough to where it can get picked, stripped. Um, so it kind of adds to this complicated picture of uh, the, the supply of various qualities, right? which may have to be discounted to be moved for sure. Right. You know, since that last crop report last month, it seems like a year has gone by. You know, it's it's we have had we've had two we've had two hurricanes and we've lived through that and and I guess and on this is a guess we we know it the the how much Kip what what does your group think the loss would be in 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 from in Texas from this? I mean, we first heard 400000 to 500000 Some people wrote 800000 Have you got any feel for that? Uh, quite honestly, I mean, and I'm not trying to be rude about this. Folks that are putting numbers out there right now, I, I have a lot of respect for what John's done. He's right there with it. Uh, we're not. We're sitting in Memphis, Tennessee. We don't have boots on the ground there. Um, but historically, uh, the market and the participants overestimate the impact of damage to any hurricane. This one in Texas was different than ones we've seen before. Typically, they come through, they hit, they run, and we can kind of get a uh, a feel for what's happened relatively quickly. That storm just kept throwing rain and throwing rain and throwing rain on it. Uh, and to me, I do think this is different. So our thoughts are you're going to see 300-plus thousand bales right now, but that is – I mean, we're not. We can say real quick that's subject to change, and we just—it's just too early to tell. Uh, unquestionably, the losses in Texas, and John did a good job explaining the, the problem with modules and uh, cotton on the stalk. Uh, it's just that 
we don't have times where we just have water standing for that length of time and getting that amount of rain for for that extended period. So the damage there has got to be worse. And quite honestly, we're just going to have to wait and see. Those that are making uh, uh, statements now are truly giving the best shot, but, I mean, it's going to be weeks before we really have an indication. John made a good point about it's going to be well into October before even the insurance people have an idea what <laughs> what's going on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's complicated. Uh, it's complicated by the fact that if, if some of that cotton has to be ginned, well, some of those local gins have been disabled, so you can imagine they're going to have to truck it somewhere yeah. and, uh, and and then gin it. And, you know, when's that going to happen? It'll be a while. Well, here's another question. Where are the speculators? Kip, have you got any feel for this? I mean, we were uh, two days ago above the 200-day and the 100-day moving average, and now we're clearly below both of those. Do do, do you have a feel for that? Well, I think the specs have been buying into this market. Uh, Anytime there's this level of uncertainty and, you know, they bought into the hurricanes, uh, as they should. I mean, there's the risk on that. We found out with Harvey that, you know, the impact can be really bad. I don't think Irma had as bad an impact. Well, here I am saying stuff I really don't know yet. We'll know several weeks from now. But at this point, the fast-moving storms tend to be less damaging. We make a big deal of it. We we look at potential losses. I think the specs were long going into that. I think they got surprised about this uh, large report. I think they liquidated a portion of their position. I think uh, John's point about when they started reading the fine print and going, oh, USDA is going to really look at this closer in the next report, we started getting specs say, well, maybe we did lose a half a million, million, make up the number you want. And so I think they're coming back in here. I think the reason why we're only down 30-some points this morning in December is that folks are saying, well, maybe we were premature in getting out of all this. So I think the specs are still hanging in there uh, looking at a long position because of the level of uncertainty, several different levels, and John articulated that well about the you know, the lateness of the crop, the potential for loss. However, if we look at the areas that weren't impacted, those crops look still awfully good. And West Texas, if it can mature out, uh, I think there's just an awful lot, a lot more cotton there than people think, are thinking today anyway. Okay. Uh, well, well, let's talk about, and John's talked about his ideas on price. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kip, um, give us your ideas. Uh, you've, you've in, the few, in the past, you've given us some low levels. You've been the most negative of our group as far as where you think it can go. What are your thoughts now about not just how low it can go, but can it bounce, and how much can it bounce? Well, of course it can bounce. I mean, we've got uh, Jose I don't think is going to come in and do anything. As we speak today, and I haven't looked at the track this morning, but yesterday afternoon's track for that storm would suggest it's going to go in the Atlantic and barely brush the coastline if it does at all. So I don't think that's going to be a big uh, positive factor for the market. However, this has been an active storm year. We may get another one out here that would uh, that could cause people to buy this market and move it up. So there's certainly the potential for prices to go up. Um, but again, I made this uh, I think I alluded to it earlier, the mills are looking at the same numbers we are. Uh, they're not going to be quite as sophisticated as John were about the quality of, of the crop. It's just there's a supply of a lot of bales out there. The world-ending stock's increased. It's going the wrong way. That's certainly a bearish kind of number. So 
Um, I think that prices, I have said before, I think we're going to go to the uh, high to mid-50s. And, and for a while I was saying maybe even low 50s. I can't totally discount that today. But my thoughts are not quite as bearish as they were simply because of all this uncertainty um, and the fear now that the um, that we may not be able to mature this crop and get the kind of quality uh, quantity that even we were expecting because you're going to have some quantity losses if this uh, freeze comes in in time as well as micronair um, concerns. So uh, now I'm looking at somewhere less than around 60 cents, maybe something less than that, to the potential of if we get another storm, we could see 73, 74 cents again. I'm not counting on the top end. I'm more thinking we're going to stay in the 60s to possibly high 50s, uh, given the current scenario. I, I do think that uh, the USDA increased India's crop. We're looking at that crop being slightly larger. Our thoughts in Chinese production is slightly larger. Um, we've got two or three other places in the world where we're a little bit higher than USDA is. So we're still looking for a bit larger supply, which should pressure the market some. So, yeah, I'm still, I guess, I think I'm still the most bearish of our group, but uh, not quite what I was a month or so ago. Okay. Trouble is, this morning we don't have the bulls to pull us <laughs> to pull up the other side. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, those two fellows haven't gotten on the line today. I'm not sure what's going on there, but I wish they were here. Any any other comments? Any other thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm going to make just a quick comment about uh, synthetic fiber prices have been going up in uh, in Asia. Over the past, well, gosh, I guess since this market, this cotton rally, what's happened there is that those prices have kind of been pulled up by cotton. Um, that's been a big bugaboo for the cotton share over the last several years. We've discussed this before. The last couple of days, we started to see those prices stabilize to start show a bit of weakness. Um, if those prices don't go down, if for whatever reason we can keep these polyester prices up, that's going to help the mills spend more cotton. They're going to be encouraged to do that. However, um, our forecast for the crude oil market is that we probably that does not have a lot of upside. So it's unlikely that higher prices for polyester are going to be sustained. And when those start to slip down a little bit, that's going to again be a little provide a bit of pressure to cotton prices. That's our expectation now is that those polyester prices will start to slip a bit. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, thank you, John, for leading us today, and Kip for being with us and making the contribution you did. Excellent, uh, I think, outlook given the, the challenges we face right now in this market. Uh, we want to thank also our sponsor, Bear Crop Science, for making this program possible for you. Thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us. And that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you.